1: Welcome once again to a Came From The Real, of the official of the Big AppleCon. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking. We are here live uh, via Zoom, courtesy of the East Metal Public Library, for our 42nd live show in front of a live studio audience. Um, I am here with none other than our very own Pronto Comics uh, DSS, Dominic Sperano. Hello,
2: we have now hit the level of knowing the answer to life 42
1: ah yes yes that is correct and we have our special guest who we're going to play talking to with and about which is awesome because he's here it is wood burning artist mike giannacos hey
0: everyone thanks for having me guys
1: so as i mentioned we're going to be talking with my in just a few minutes but before we do that we have to take it away with the news it's morphin time The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of sci-fi.radio. That's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. As well as the fine folks at the Big Apple Con, of which we are the official radio show, uh, celebrating 26 years of comic and uh, pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. The next convention is scheduled uh, for May 1st and May 2nd of this year. And why is it scheduled in May, Dominic?
2: Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. There
1: you go. And I want to give I, a shout
2: I don't only have to think of my bits, I now have to think of <laughs> Charlie's bits.
1: <laughs> and I want to give our shout outs for our Patreons, of which there are Danny Grillo, award winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday Famous, Dresden Media, Unji Kun, Shadow Rabbit Art, The Hurricane, and Yasmin Array. You guys want to get your own little shout-out, go to www.patreon.com, look up a Came From Radio, and you search for and just for a dollar a month, you can get your shout-out on our show. And if you're feeling in a generous mood, you can buy us a virtual pizza at our website, www.camefromradio.com. There's a little button that says buy us a virtual pizza, and uh, we would greatly appreciate it. Or if you see me on the street, you can just buy me a pizza. That works, too. Are you wearing, yeah. the, are you wearing the Came From Radio shirt, uh, Dominic, or wherever you go?
2: Uh, not in the month of March. In the, marth- in the month of March, I wear nothing but Irish-related shirts.
1: Ah, okay. Yeah. I wonder why that is. <laughs> do so- I have to
2: explain this one to you?
1: <laughs> no. Okay. I was being sarcastic. All right, let's see. Uh, start off with the sad news, as we always do. Uh, comic book creator Frank Thorne died recently. As of this recording, which is uh, March 10th, uh, no cause of death has been announced. While Frank worked on such books as The Green Hornet, Flash Gordon, The Twilight Zone, as well as adaptations of Moby Dick and 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Frank was perhaps best known for his work on Red Sonja, Sonia, for a uh, new... Uh, non-spanish uh, people uh, from marvel comics where he helped develop the character overall look and persona that's still being referenced in today's comics a uh, cover current publisher uh dynamite comics says <clears throat> it is of a heavy heart that we learn of the passing of frank thorne no creator played more a prominent role in shaping and defining red sonia as we know her and love her today his incredible artwork was a perfect match for the character and influences to this day um, Of note, his wife, Marilyn, died six hours later, and no cause of death was revealed for her either. Um, you guys Red Sonja fans?
2: Um, I'm not a huge Red Sonja fan, but I respect it. I believe um, friend of the show Jimmy Palmiati and his wife Amanda Connor are doing a, a, a plan to bring back Red Sonja. Yes. Or they're going to work on it, I believe.
1: Mike, you're a Red Sonja fan?
2: I mean, I remember
0: when I was younger, my mom used to bring home comic books from the store so I can use them to draw from. And um, I was not opposed to drawing Red Sanja. I mean, <laughs> seen her, uh, I don't think you would be either. But she, uh, I mean, no, definitely, I mean, it, it held its time in comics, you know. So, I mean, I, a lot of respect to him for that.
1: And people obviously remember the, uh, the live action film with uh, oh, Bridget, Bridget Nielsen.
2: Bridget <laughs> Nielsen. I think it's her second most fam- famous role. Yes, yes.
1: Her first <laughs> famous role is being uh, Sylvester Stallone's uh, wife.
2: <laughs> That's correct. And real life, too. Yes. Um, well, like, yeah, they're right. They did get together, which yeah, is Yeah, they got together in and, itself.
1: and they broke up, which was more weird that she appeared in the movie uh, Creed II.
2: Uh, let's see. I so, guess there's no hard feelings.
1: Well, I guess not. Um, so he, he was a, a young 90 years old. Let's see. That's uh, pretty, good. pretty good. I'll take 90. I'll take 190. Uh, let's see. More sad if news. You can pull up 190. I'll be very impressed. <laughs> Not more than I would be. <laughs> um, more sad news. A TV slash producer, Frank Lupo. Also died recently. As of this recording, no cause of death has been announced. Uh, in addition to working on such shows as Battlestar Galactica and a spinoff, Galactica 1980, BJ and the Bear, The Misfits, The Misadventures of Sheriff Lobo. I've never heard of that show. Uh, okay. Magnum PI, the original Magnum PI, Greatest American Hero, Raven. I used to love that show, uh, and Painkiller Jane. Just to name a few. Frank co-created such shows as The A Team, Riptide, Stingray wise guy and was the sole creator for the T V shows Hunter and Werewolf for Fox. I remember Werewolf. That was like Fox's first serious show back in the day when they first came out. Um it was it was kind of like a credible Hulk type show where the guy turned into a well he turns into a monster every episode and he was being chased and he was searching for the cure. Uh, so he did all that. You guys fans of any of those shows you heard of this guy? Well I mean I loved um, I, I, I loved
2: the A team easily that that was like so good it just so ridiculously good and Battlestar Galactica like the you know the remake was great but you couldn't have the remake without you know the campy beginner mm-hmm. right so wait he worked on he worked on Painkiller Jane the TV show
1: yeah he worked on so I think he wrote a couple episodes maybe he produced a couple episodes but he worked on that the weird thing is like, that's by Jimmy <laughs> this,
2: it's another Jimmy Pomiotti
1: project
2: yeah that's like so strange it's, is jimmy just going around like knocking people off like <laughs> I, I, mean, I know jimmy's nice guy <laughs> but, but i wouldn't put but, it past him yeah. i mean he's italian so <laughs>
1: <laughs> so um so mike you uh recognize any of those shows were you a fan of those things back in I, the day
0: i call myself a fan i'm more hung up on on why no one knows how these people passed or why they passed i think they're i think dom's onto a conspiracy here. <laughs> That they're, they're they're putting hits on. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, they all have one man in common. I mean, uh, mediocre uh, '80s and '90s TV shows. Yeah, take them, take them
1: out. <laughs> well, for, for the last for the last bit of sad news, try to make try to make the connection here. Um, also, uh, for no cause of death has been revealed. Um, Actor Jamil French also died recently. Uh, Jamil is best known for his role as Dave Turner in Degrassi, The Next Generation, from 2009 to 2013. So that's uh, four years. Um, You guys were fans of that show, Degrassi, The Next Generation? The
2: only thing I know about Degrassi, The Next Generation, um, was that it was something that Kevin Smith was huge about. He loved that show because I remember reading one of of his diaries where he got into it by working at a convenience store and it was like the thing that was on it's on Sunday mornings and he got sucked into watching the show. So that's all I know. Like Kevin Smith loved it. It was a thing that he like, I think he'll bring back.
1: And yeah. that was it. I know it existed. I wasn't a fan. Mike, were you a fan?
0: Uh, I wasn't a fan, but I worked in a, I worked in the public school system for a long time and <laughs> uh, mostly in the South Bronx and in the city. Um, and it amazed me that young people would talk about this show um, mostly black and brown young people. There were two shows they talked about all the time, Degrassi and Friends, and I, I couldn't make <laughs> the sales out of it, but they loved it. So, I mean, and, 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 I, and I think they're cool people, so I'm assuming it was a good show, but I don't even remember like, the generation. Did, I, did anyone watch that? Which no.
2: <laughs> and, like, Friends, and I'm assuming The Degrassi, are nothing similar to the demographic of the students that you were teaching. Absolutely not. That's what blew my mind about it. And that's that, yeah, I can, I can agree with that. Like, h- how and why they would be interested in that show, I have no idea.
0: Well, there's a whole like, why are we interested in comics and things that, you know, tangentially aren't our lives or connect to our lives? I think it's, it's another life. It's, it's experiencing something that's not yours and it's interesting. Um, yeah. But it was always the Friends thing blew my mind because I, I never liked that show. So I, you know, I, I was a boomer to them. They were like, I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs>
1: The show. Finally, the someone show who played. didn't like Friends.
0: <laughs> oh book, my God! I was God. when the show was on. So like... I liked,
2: I watched Friends when it came out, and as I look back on it more and more, the less I like it.
1: I did um, not like that show at all. And I,
2: re- I remember reading an article how they explained that because of Friends and the way that everyone treated Ross in the show, you now have the dumbing down of America and the hatred of science. <laughs> Because they said, like, if you really think about it, clear connection, clear connection. He's like, if you think about it, Ross was the most educated and well-paid person on the show. Right. He was I forgot that his doctorate, but it was obviously working in dinosaurs. And the entire time he's written as a goof, as an idiot. None of the friends and even his own sister, like respect him in any way, shape or form. And they said that that probably like helped influence a lot of people and how they look at science now.
1: But he did wind up with Jennifer Aniston at the end. Yeah, you know, but they might be on a break. So <laughs> <laughs> Um oh, I di- I didn't mention uh, I have to go back. Um so Frank Lupo not, was 66- 66. No, Frank Lupo was 66. I didn't mention that. Ooh. And uh, Jamil, we were just talking about, he was only 29. Okay, that's that's terrible. So, but that's it for the sad news. So we got to move on to other other news. Oh great. Um let's see, let's see. Okay, all right. this is a, I, mean, I like this one. From the Games aren't that good, department. British luxury uh, customizing brand known as Truly Exquisite has teamed up with Sony to make the PlayStation 5 Gold Edition, which is a 24-karat gold-plated version of the console accompanied by two gold-plated controllers with a gold-plated 3D Pulse headset. The system is limited to just 250 pieces and ships worldwide in a, quote-unquote, luxury display carrying box. And costs roughly, well, how much do you think it costs? Uh, let's have a. Uh, what do you think? You see, 24-karat gold-plated. 24-karat gold-plated PlayStation 5 console. The console right now is about $500. $500.
2: I'm going to go, well, Bob... <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with ten thousand
1: dollars. Ten thousand dollars, Mike. What do you got? What do you think?
0: Much higher than that. Uh, at least fifteen.
1: Okay. Um. Well, you went over, Mike. So Dominic wins. It's for eleven thousand oh. five hundred dollars, oh. with free yeah. with free international shipping. Oh.
2: So wait, do I what? Do I get to go play plinko now? Like, what do I? <laughs>
1: Technically, this would actually get me onto the stage, Bob. Yes, it would, normally. Under normal circumstances, but we're virtual, oh. so you can't go anywhere. Right. Um, for those who have a few extra bucks to spend, however, there is also an 18-karat rose gold edition and a platinum-plated option available also. See, the key is that it's plated,
2: <laughs> right? So, like, gold plating is not the same as actual solid gold.
1: Well, so can you, you imagine gold that they would build... Like, a system just made out of gold, that thing wouldn't melt in a second. It wouldn't even work. That's true. Now I mean, now gold is extremely
2: pliable. It's about
1: how it looks. <laughs> yeah. I don't <laughs> think anyone's actually going to try and play on it. <laughs> but but this, this gold-plated one is playable, so there you go.
0: I still can't, look, get, could look, also, I, I still can't get the $500 one. I don't, I don't know. <laughs>
1: Who's getting this one now? Well, apparently I, it has been sold and people are buying it. Oh
0: god. Yeah.
2: You, you could also technically like read a copy of Amazing Fantasy number 15. Are you going to? <laughs> no. Uh, For the kids uh, out there, that's the first appearance of Spider-Man made created by Steve Ditko and Stan Lee.
1: So spe- speaking of kids, let's let's see if, we can see if we can make this a segue. Um from the this is why you keep your mouth shut, department. Due to someone effing up this past Monday, anyone who tried to access a new Tom and Jerry on the HBO streaming ser- HBO Max streaming service was instead able to see Zack Snyder's Justice League 10 days before its scheduled uh, March 18th release date. Of course, people started to make note of the error on Twitter, and the issue was addressed in minutes. However, according to some, if you had already started watching the film before the error was fixed, it played for about an hour before it was cut off.
0: Hmm. You got to see a, a, uh, an hour of a bad movie,
1: an hour of a bad four hour movie, in theory, in theory.
0: <laughs> I have no faith in this movie whatsoever.
1: Um, <laughs> I used to work at a movie theater, as I've mentioned many times, and we've had this problem. We're supposed to play a kid's movie and not a kid's movie played and it's usually teamed up with a horror movie. And so you have, you know, parents running out and screaming that there's the wrong movie playing. So it's nice to know that the the digital world still does the same mistakes as we did in the movie theater. Look, I mean, it's not like they went to go
2: watch Tom and Jerry and came up like Fatal Attraction or Basic Instinct or something,
1: you know. Well, in this situation, but like for us, for me, personal experience, there has been some horror films that's, that's found their way. And we've reported on it. That it's not just in my theater that I used to work at. Other theaters as well. Cause it's, it's programmed. It's, you know, you have to actually flip the, switch the movie over for that theater. And, uh, I remember, I think, um, uh, House of Thousand Corpses was playing instead of a kid's movie one time. And so yeah, that fun stuff happened. <laughs>
2: That, 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 I, that's a little different <laughs> I remember watching like Justice League you and I went to go see it and I kept feeling like there was a lot of potential and where did it go wrong because I knew that originally the plan was that it was supposed to be two movies right back to back and that was the idea and it was it was you know obviously there was a lot of problems in that the DC, DC was trying to just jump start into the Avengers without doing any of the groundwork mm-hmm. but I'm like alright so there was this idea to make it like a like two movies back to back, kind of like Avengers, uh, the last two Avengers movies, and put them out like I guess a year in between, and then for some you know Snyder was Snyder and and they well, brought in a, the a lot of Joss Whedon and and recut it into this like two hour, not it couldn't decide what it wanted to be.
1: The the, the the short version, which we've uh, mentioned on the show many times, is that basically the DC universe was imploding because they're making movies while all the movies are coming out and not and underperforming. Mm-hmm. So d- Zack Snyder had his vision. He was getting hammered by the studio because Batman versus Superman was not making the money that it was supposed to. Right. Um, I believe one other movie had just came out. Maybe it was Aquaman beforehand that came out? No, Aquaman came Justice out. Before Justice League? Before Justice League? aquaman came out after justice league. something something came out before justice league that was more lighthearted, and they were like we want to make it more like that it's just that? And maybe no. I, I can't i can't remember what it was maybe it was a Marvel movie but i remember that dc was 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 hurting from that batman versus superman crunch because they spent like 750 million dollars to make it and it wasn't doing well, well and I so Suicide squad That might have been it. They were pushing, they were pushing, and they were pushing, and they were pushing. And then um, uh, Zack Snyder's uh, kid died. Uh, Oh, Wonder Woman. Thank you. Thank you. uh, Thank you. Was it Wonder Woman? Wonder Woman came out. Yes. Wonder Woman had came out, and that people were like, oh, this is doing quite well. It didn't make the, we didn't spend as much money. It's it's not as dark and, and brooding. So we need to have this um better better movie and then there was also the, the 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 backlash of having two movies a part one and a part two because that was a big thing for a while and then people started getting weary of it because twilight did it harry potter did it and that's why avengers they said it was going to be two parts and then they're like no 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 it's not it's just going to be two different movies but it really was a two-parter two parts. but right. they, they snuck it under there but well, they also said with hey, Avengers well, that's what I'm saying, but they, 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 they tricked you. They said it wasn't right. two parts, but it really was, but it wasn't part one, part two. It was right. two separate standalone movies. Yeah. So DC is like, eh, we're not going to do it. We're just going to squish it all together. We're going to get Josh Whedon, because he's the Avengers guy. We're right. going to put him in there, make it happy-go-lucky, and that's what you got, the hodgepodge of what came out.
2: Yeah. Meanwhile, no one was going to predict that, like, Josh Whedon was going to have the massive yeah. backlash and fall that he turned out to be. Yeah. Although, i got to tell you, I don't trust any guy – who's going on like joss whedon did and i'm like ah, there's something sneaky about that so i wasn't shocked i wasn't shocked about Joss joss whedon i actually have some hope for the snyder cut because i think it at least at the very it might not be a better movie in terms of like
1: the universe building
2: the universe building but it might be a better movie in that it's just a consistent vision throughout and not chopped up and might be telling a more at least consistent story concept.
1: Right, so it'll be a consistent story, whether or not as good as a completely different
2: thing. Whether or not as good as subject to taste, I'm just saying like at least it's four hours of a consistent vision with a consistent script trying to go to a certain place, as opposed to like... I knew that there was stuff that was shot that they just didn't use that was probably gonna be interesting. Like I know Superman's supposed to go to the Batcave, stuff that like would have been interesting to see. And if it's done, if it's written so it all makes sense, you know, as opposed to chop together, then, you know, it it can't be any worse.
1: Well, I, uh, I, I would, I would dispute that claim another day because we have more news to go. It can't be any worse. <laughs> Look,
2: all I'm going to say is like, at no point should Batman ever groan and be like, oh, this hurts. Why am I in pain?
1: <laughs> that's, like, that's, that's not a Batman <laughs> thing. So... That's true. Even Adam West wouldn't have done that. Nope. Um, so let's see. Moving on uh, from the, I had no idea they had just had an award show department. Uh, the 26th annual Critics' Choice Awards came and went with Little Fanfare this past weekend. Um, I won, the reason I mention this is because the little independent film called Promising Young Woman won for Best Actress and Original Screenplay. And the reason is because uh, as of right now, all, all the content I'm watching, that's pretty much the best movie I've seen so far in 2021. It's really good. It's good little drama. has a nice little twist. Uh, it's a very different type of uh, cross-genre movie. So I think it's kind of cool that it's getting recognized by the the industry although we do have our own dubious uh, uh uh opinions about award shows in and of itself i don't think any of us like award shows uh mike you like
0: award shows i mean like anything you're a kid you grew up you like something then you realize the politics involved and i don't know if you've ever heard the politics around these uh, award shows and what and what nominees need to actually do after, from their nomination to the actual award yep. and it, it really ruins it all for me you know it's the fact that it's not just done based on merit, and it's really about your campaigning you do, and your marketing, and your, and who, and, and who you kiss up to, and who you don't. It, you know, it's it's. I don't put any value in it. Um, I do think that that movie, from what I've heard, is a good movie though, and I do want to see it.
1: Yes, it's it's a very pretty darn good movie. I have to I have to say. Um, so let's see. Speaking of movies, where can you see it? Um, it should be online. I think it's Amazon. It Might be Hulu. It's on one now. of those. It's on one of those uh, services. And, I, and, you know, if you, if you feel like going out, you can see it in the theaters as well. sounds
0: um, <laughs> Dom, like a throwback, guys. Like, you <laughs> are going to go to see that film. Um, is there yeah. a little theater I can go to? It's like, no, we all steal movies, Dom. Just
2: go see yep, that's throwbacks. it. That's it. Like, I was like, I'm thinking what service is it on? And I, like, I was like, well, if you want, you could go out. It's like, oh, what a terrible concept. Awesome. I love the idea. Like, could you believe that people used to go bowling? Like, you used to, like, touch, like, communal objects and eat food and <laughs> Right, and it's like you look back on life and you just wonder, like, well, of course we were going to get a pandemic. Look how carefree we were, how silly we were.
0: Have you ever been to Kew Gardens? There's a theater in Kew Gardens. It's yeah, by the by the Hooters. Right. Whoa, whoa. Wait, no. Is there Hooters there? I missed that. No, not not that theater. There's a smaller one. It's like in Kew Garden. It's it's more in the like um like which is kind of famous and by the train station. It's an old theater and they do old films there still. So um, but it, it still looks everything like an old theater. So like if I'm going to go to a, like, you know, you go to the theaters now and it's like you're going into the future. You go back to this place. It is it is cinematic genius in terms of the aesthetic. It's 70s, it's 80s, and they still play like they'll play the shining around Halloween. That's what I want to go to see now. when I go to movies, I'd rather watch the other stuff coming out now at home. But to go to a theater like that and watch something that, you know, Casablanca, I mean, come on. Who doesn't want to go, Kelly? You coming with me? Kelly's coming. You go to <laughs> Casablanca. Let's go. Yeah.
2: for a while there was the, the movie theater down in Farmingdale that would do old movies, and obviously once again COVID just stopped them from doing that. But they right. would do like old movie nights, like put on Casablanca, put on The Godfather, put on Citizen Kane, or whatever, and like like classic movies.
1: So you could see them. So speaking of movies, uh, from the that's a lot of nuts department. Um, the new Disney flick, Raya and the Last Dragon, or maybe Raya and the Last Dragon, which is also available on the streaming service for an additional fee, has claimed the number one spot, pulling in a quote unquote disappointing $8.5 million at the domestic box office, knocking off Tom and Jerry, which is also available on HBO Max at no additional cost from the top spot. Mm-hmm. Um, of note, this weekend marks the first time in a year that New York City theaters are open, which apparently didn't make a dent in the film's intake. Um, executives say oh "Wait, the executive don't say anything never mind i put that in by accident <laughs> uh to put things into perspective <laughs> the last time this year uh, last this time last year the animated film onward opened in the number one spot with 49.7 million dollars and of note the crudes part two is still the number one film of 2021 with 56 Uh, 53.6 million dollars and counting followed by one woman part two at 44.4 million dollars and counting and for those keeping track raya now falls into the number one spot uh, for 2021
2: i think hbo max does it smart where like look you can see it in theaters you can see it here you have the service that's it i really don't like how like disney like gouges you for more money to see their content and i don't think other people like it either because
1: clearly it didn't do as well but that's the thing so did more people buy and pay the 30 dollars? because that doesn't count into the box office intake Mm. so maybe people are spending more money and they are buying it for the disney site like like the idiots that they are instead of that's true going and seeing other stuff on other services but if someone constantly says
2: just because it's open you don't have to go
1: that's right um, so let's see, the other one we can do, we have one more. Um, all right, we have enough time for one more. I'm going to make it a good one. Okay. From the Tamagotchi of the Future department Panasonic has just released a Nikobo, Nikobo a real life virtual pet robot made with built in cameras, microphones, and sensors. This virtual pet is designed to recognize your voice, knows when it's being petted or touched, blink its eyes, wag its tail, and speak and even fart when it wants to. What's even more interesting about this new pet is that Panasonic only planned to make 320 units and each one is priced at, what do you, what do you got? How much do you think this is priced at?
2: 320. Uh,
0: I'm
1: going to go with $1,500. $1,500. What are you, Mike?
2: I'm gonna.
0: I'll learn my lesson. Fifteen oh one.
1: You both. We have a double over. It's only priced <laughs> at three hundred and sixty dollars, and each has already sold out via pre-order. And production has not yet started, as they are attempting to secure ninety-five thousand dollars through various crowdfunding sites to make these little guys. Uh, lastly, buyers will be required to sign up to their service at ten dollars a month, as well as connect to their smartphone to receive software upgrades. So if you type in N-I-C-O-B-O and you get a little computer, you can see what it looks like. It's like, about, it's like a size about like half of a bowling ball, a little fur, and it, and it moves. It's, it's an interesting thing, and you see a little video. All right, got to look this up. N-I-C-O. I'm all about this. N-I-C-O-B-O.
0: <laughs> I, I, I love this. I'm all about it because we're so close to Terminator becoming a real thing. <laughs> oh. And, and in the minute these little things start taking over the world and we have to now wage war against machine – I think well, you un- that you'll knight us, and we'll, you know, it- it's what's meant to be. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I agree. I mean, we will put aside our pe- petty differences to fight the machine overlords.
1: To fight the Neo Thus <laughs> Thus saving humanity. you know it. I mean, do you
0: remember Tamagotchi? Yeah. Oh yeah. Forty yet? You're such a young young man, but.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember I, Tamagotchi. I that remember- came out when I was a kid, so I remember that.
0: Yeah, I mean that was that was that's pretty. This is pretty much the evolution of that, right?
1: Yeah, yeah pretty really, much. Yeah, I just want I mean, to what look, it looks like when
0: it dies. It's probably yeah, right. Yeah, it's like it's probably less like, little X on the on the pet eyes. <laughs> and like like yeah, it's like that right. it died.
2: <laughs> it probably costs less than an actual pet, even with like the ten dollars a month. Because yeah. I can tell you now, like, like it costs more than ten dollars a month to feed a dog. Okay. So.
1: I, I would like to see it like just like spring up and flip over with the X's on the eyes. Yeah, that would, that's, that's I would I would love to see that.
2: This thing I gotta tell you, the thing is pretty cute looking. And right, you see, yeah, right. Yeah, it is kind of cute. It's like, look, if we're gonna have a machine overlord, at least it's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what let's I see. don't get is why Paramount hasn't come out with like your own Tribble.
1: Well, I think uh, there, there is a guy who makes those things. Like You can actually go and buy them, and they, they, they shake. I've seen them at, at conventions. Well, uh, they used to be when the conventions were around. I used to see those things. So, yeah, they exist. Um, so, uh, so that's that's it. Panasonic is a cat-like robot that can fart. It's yeah. Like so that's it for the news. So we're going to take our break, and we'll be right back with a cane from the
3: radio. Hi. You've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at Hotmail.com. If you had any honor, you would listen to Sci-Fi.radio. The sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. Kapla! What's up, guys? This is Kari Payton. And you're listening to It Came From The Radio, so keep listening. Come down to Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin for the best new comics in the month of March. First, there was Future State. Now from DC Comics comes Infinite Frontier. And from Marvel Comics in March, the finale to The King in Black. And from the mind of Keanu Reeves comes Berserker. And your chance to win the rare 1 in 200 variant cover of Berserker Number no. 1 with purchase of the book. Cosmic Comics, located at 848 Merrick Road in Baldwin. Give us a call, 516-763-1133. Stay safe. Hey, I'm Mike Kingston, the writer and creator of Headlocked. And I am WWE Hall of Famer Jerry the King Lawler. And guess what you're listening to? You're listening to It Came From The Radio. Hello, radio listeners. What are you thinking? We want to hear from you. What's working for you? What things would you like to hear more about? Write us your thoughts.
1: Or you can buy us a pizza. Just go to our website, www.itcamefromradio.com, and click on the Buy Us a Pizza link. Leave your comment there.
3: And we'll read them on video. Hi, this is Aaron Gray from Buck
1: Rogers in the 25th century, and you're listening to It Came from the Radio.
3: Hey guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items, private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, K R I S T Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. Hi everyone, this is Tom Christopher. I had played Hawk on Buck Rogers on the 25th Century, and you are listening to It Came From Radio. <laughs> hey kids, this is C.J. Ramon of the world famous Ramones and you're listening to It Came From the Radio.
1: Looking to sell your entire comic collection? Have that one key issue you're trying to unload? Well, look no further than Royal Collectibles, your friendly neighborhood comic book shop. Buying and selling comics, toys, and merchandise with experience in the industry for over Thirty years from golden age comics all the way up to the present. They want to buy your stuff. Reach out to them online at www.royalcollectiblesonline.com or give them a call at seven one eight seven nine three zero five four two. That's Royal Collectibles in Forest Hills,
3: Queens, New York.
2: I'm Nathan Boo from Ben and Apple TV, and you're listening to It
3: Came From The Radio. My neural net processor is linked to sci-fi.radio. It's sci-fi for my Wi-Fi. The more I listen, the more I learn.
1: Now, back to our show. And welcome back to It Came From The Radio. This is, Big Apple Con. this is your host, Mark Torres, speaking. We are here live for our 40-second Live show in front of the live studio audience, courtesy of the East Metal Public Library. That's www.eastmetal.info, where they have tons and tons of programming all the time. So make sure you guys go check out their website as well as our live show every second Wednesday of the month. And I'm here with none other than Ponto Comics, very own Dominic Definition Masperano.
2: It is good people.
1: And awesome, super cool wood burning uh, expert artiste, Mike Giannacos. Expert, wow. Yes, you are an expert.
2: Well, of everyone who's on the Zoom call, Mike, you are the expert at wood burning.
0: I'll take
2: that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I have no idea how to do that. I've watched you do it, many and I'm people like,
0: here are taking a blowtorch to the wood
2: nowadays. No, certainly not indoors like you do.
1: <laughs> so let's just start off with the with the with the basics. So as you mentioned, you're a wood burning artist, but I always thought it was going to be like with like the hot stick, and you use the stick to burn it in. But you're using a blowtorch. Uh,
0: yeah, so I do both. So the um, I think the common form of pyrography is using um, a pyrography, a pyrographic pen, and you're pretty much drawing into the wood. I do that, um, but I started using a blowtorch uh, and doing bigger pieces um, like these two behind me. So that's that's a little different in the sense that you know I'm using uh, I'm using metal palette knives to block out spaces and burn wood around a picture. So it's almost like working um, with the negative space. So I'm really creating in the negative space and then bringing, bringing forward the, the true color of the wood. So I tried to explain this to a woman who saw it for me to do it live, and she couldn't quite grasp how it's done. She thought I was just drawing the hands and drawing the Spider-Man. But really, it's burning around it, burning the shadows, and then creating a picture from that. Uh, so a little different.
1: Wow. So it's like, um, like the ice sculptures, that they say that the, the image is there, or the clay sculptures, the image is there, and you're just pulling it out.
0: Exactly. Yeah, very similar. Except uh, it's interesting. Ice, fire. Yeah, very different in that regard. Um, but yeah, it's essentially shaping an image by blackening out. You know, so you know, working in the negative space.
1: Is that something that whenever you now you see piece of wood walking all over the place, you're like, oh, I see a, I see a Thor. I see a Spider Man. I see a plant. Is that do you normally now see images all the time?
0: Uh, not at all. <laughs> so it's like uh, no, I think it's more. Um, I think it's more, I get the image in my head and then I find the wood for the image, right? So it's, um, you know, I have a sense of what I want to create and then I got to find the right wood to do it because all wood's different. There are softer woods, there are harder woods, there are, you know, woods that, you know, are better for intense burning. There are woods that are softer that are going to burn too quickly. So it's just a matter of finding that right piece to work with, but no, nah, it's not like you walk around and I see a piece of wood and I fall in love with it, take it home and make some beautiful art with it. Um, I work with plywood, I work with scrap wood, I find wood on the street and I say, oh, I'll give you a home and bring you home and I'll burn a picture into you. Um, so it, it's that basic, you know, the, uh, the medium is pretty inexpensive when you think about it. I'm not spending money on paints, I'm not spending money on uh, expensive equipment. It's literally just fire and wood.
1: Now, how do you correct mistakes? Or is it like Bob Ross, there are no mistakes, just happy accidents?
0: Uh, I love that, um, no, <laughs> there are no mistakes. So it, there's, you can, you can, you can sand out burns if you you want to. Um, it's, it's a lot harder than an eraser. You really got to, you know, usually you got to sand out, but then you're creating a different grain of wood. So you kind of have to sand roughly a lot of the piece if you make a mistake and you want to start over again. Um, so really, I've just learned to incorporate mistakes. If I, just like Bob Ross, if you make a mistake, you work it into the piece somehow. Oh, maybe I'm going to shade that area now. I didn't want to shade before. And you just kind of make it happen. Um, but I like... I like that there's no mistakes or you're not, you you really can't leave room for error, Uh, makes you focus, makes you concentrate, Uh, especially when you're doing it live in front of people who are kind of anxiously waiting to see what is, what shape this is taking and what it's going to look like. Um, So I think that's why I've been drawn to it. Um, I'm ADHD. So uh, I can't sit there. I can't do anything too long. I can't do a piece for a week. I can't spend hours and hours doing it. I need to do it quickly and finish it quickly. So uh, this has been a very, um, Um, good medium for me to use
1: wow so how does how did you get started were you just a young mike was just walking along i'm gonna be a wood-burning artist like how does that happen
0: yeah no so um i went to art school um and i dropped out of art school i didn't like it um (laughs) yes so i I actually have a, a shirt that says high school art school dropout which i'm proud to wear all the time um so i left art school because i i didn't feel like i feel like it was like training it was like do this, do that, do this, do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And and I really didn't feel like for me, my creativity was not being channeled. It was just kind of like mechanical. Um, and I was spending a lot of money for it. So I dropped out and I found, and then years later stopped doing art. And then many years later wanted to do art again, but was kind of almost traumatized by my experience. um, and didn't want to just draw and didn't want to paint because that's what I was doing there. So I found, uh, pyrography and, and it was different and the thing i liked about it was uh, especially the blowtorch stuff is there's really not a comparable there's not a lot of people doing it so um when people see it they appreciate it for what it is they're not, they're not like oh that's really great but you know what i saw some guy doing that before and and, and it's better or i like that better it's just like uh, it's it's a rare thing so there's i have a sense of pride around that there are people who do it and i've um uh, befriended people through social media who do the blowtorch stuff. And it's a great community. We're, we're all like helping each other, giving each other suggestions and thoughts and try this, try that. I mean, one of my big things is I want to do really large scale, like as big as I can do a giant piece, uh, you know, maybe roughly 20 feet by 30 feet. Um, so, so I I find it's challenging, but I also found like it's, it's different. Um, and, uh, and I like that about it.
1: And you mass produce stuff or is each uh, piece an individual unique work of art?
0: No, I, yeah, I don't mass produce anything. I, um, you know, There's things out there called the Glowforge. There's, there's wood-burning products that allow you to mass produce so you can scan an image in and it'll burn it for you and it can burn several, several pieces for you. Um, I don't use that. Everything's by hand. Once I do a piece, that's it. I don't do it again. Or if I do it again, it's very different. Um, so I have a lot of pieces like these hands I did. I've done these hands before, but they're all different, and um, I like that when someone buys a piece um, or commissions a piece, that that's a one of a kind thing, and they get to hang it in their home and and know that it's one of one. So, I actually, when I sign things on the back, I'll write one of one, um,
2: and um, yeah, I never reproduce anything.
1: Wow, Dominic, you got a question for uh, Mike?
2: Well, I am. I've seen you at where you are at industry. Mm-hmm um and i've seen you do it live i was wondering how you came up with using like the spackle knife for control was it something that you through trial and error or was did you get a tip from like as you said you're part of like facebook groups was there did you see it on online or is it just something like you realize like hey i need somebody to control the flame that won't melt i mean i look i think about it it's like oh it's kind of obvious but i don't know if it would have been obvious to me if i was going to go this route initially so I'm curious about the technique yeah. and how you, you developed it.
0: Yeah, it's definitely not something I started. It's been done, but, um, I, to, to the latter part of your statement, I kind of, I needed, I, I was thinking, I started using a blowtorch on wood. I started with me fading a background of a piece I did. And I was like, wow, I wonder if I can draw with this. So I got a bigger piece of wood. And it's more like spray paint, like trying to draw, you know, a picture. Mm-hmm. and then I realized, okay, it's hard to get hard lines and, and definitive lines. So I thought if I had metal around, I could just use metal, and I could probably burn and make hard lines. So I started with just pieces of metal I had lying around. And then I went to the store, and I was like, okay, pallet knives should work. So I got a bunch of pallet knives, several different kinds, and started using those and then realized, okay, I can not only create hard lines, but I can I can ricochet the flame off the, the blade and give it a certain look. Um, I, can, I, I There's times where I'm done it live, and I actually – burn uh like like you would you would with like a branding tool I burn uh the palette knife and then I use it to cut and make you know um really hard lines with it so it's just kind of things I developed and then I did find people online doing it with palette knives um and had reached out and talked to them about what they do what I do uh, but yeah it was just one of those things where it was just like um necessity is the mother of invention so I needed to do it and I needed to figure out how to do it um, And I did, you know, so it's, uh, and the rest is kind of history. And now I'm trying to think about other different, I'm trying different metals out, trying different, different um, outside of palette knives. um, And it's been a lot of fun to just use different tools. Um, I've also used um, a saw to kind of, so there's the grain of the wood, right? There's the color of the wood, then I black out. Now, if I really want to get a highlight of the wood, um, I will use a saw or, or I'll use, you know, or sandpaper and start kind of, creating more white by shaving off a layer of the wood. Uh, mm. and it brings out a little bit more of a, a um, an untouched part of the wood forward. So all different things you can do. Um, I, my big thing was I want to try and do it without using any paint, without using any other medium besides fire, because uh, I think that's right. the cool thing about it.
2: Because I've seen you use a little white paint. Yeah, I have. Like Pops on Definitely which,
0: have. Yeah, I've used which it Which makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, um, it
2: depends on the wood, because some of the wood, yeah. you
0: won't get that kind of white when you Right shave it off but yeah i've done that before just to bring out some highlight to give it some depth
2: um, i have one other quick question i've just, you've said you've done hands before what is your fascination with hands like i get comic book stuff you know because it's comic books but like you you definitely seem to do a lot of work with hands different hands different shapes is it the difficulty of of doing a hand is it just the the weirdness and the, the <laughs> interesting design that a hand is like what's your fascination with doing hands
0: um, so I think it's, um, it started, I mean, I'm amazed. So there are artists who really struggle with hands. I always did hands really well. I always, I always liked drawing hands. Oh, you're
2: so lucky.
0: <laughs> I hate drawing hands. They're, like, they're like, like, you know, Renaissance artists that if you look back at their work, they couldn't do hands and they would, they would always have their hands kind of perched somewhere and kind of hidden. Yeah. Uh, but I, for me, it's the hands are, um, you know, I, I value, I value people of intellect, but. Uh, I also have tremendous value that people can use their hands. You know, and I think it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, as as an extension of us, our hands are just, uh, for many people, are vital to um, many different things. It's, it's their craft, it's their work, uh, it's showing affection. Um, so a lot of times my pieces will be uh, hands interacting and engaging each other. And it's really up to the person reading it. So I've had so much of this piece behind me. You know, someone may look at that and say, those are two hands that are coming together, Right. Right. I think that says something about your your kind of state of being and state of mind, and I've heard people saying that's a hand reaching out and one pulling away, and I think mm. that says something about your state of mind and your mental being. And uh, so I think it's it also I think leaves a lot to interpretation. I also think when you have an absence of a face, um, uh, you, hands can be um, can be unidentifiable if that's a word. You know, um, mm-hmm. it could be a man's hands it could be a woman's hands. It could be two men. It could be two women. Um, I, I like the ambiguity to it too, so so yeah. I think the hands for me mean can can tell a lot of different stories.
1: Hmm. All right, so um, so first of all, I want to mention um, for those of you who are listening to this in the future on the radio, make sure you go to our YouTube page. So you can actually see the images that he's talking about. Um, and the second thing is that the the two hands I see that the person is uh, was holding on to the other hand, and that person just got let go and is being thrown to his uh, his death. <laughs>
0: There you go. See, so there you you go, right? I I, I don't, I don't know what that says about about (laughs) where where, where you
2: are, what
1: you're. you're,
2: (laughs) You don't want to know. You don't want to know. (laughs) All grim when it comes to more. This is
1: what happens when I'm left alone with my thoughts. This is what happens. Why you should not be left alone with your thoughts. That's
0: what I really appreciate about you know. um, I had no intent. I have no intent when I created this of what those hands were doing, other than the mechanical action that they're taking. Um, You know, your interpretation. And every, and every artist should understand. This. There are artists who walk around, and I think, um, who really get it. You know, um, what, I'm not tr- it's not about my message. It's about what you see. So your interpretation, that's why art is very much, um, it's, it's as much about the audience as it is about what the artist creates. Your interpretation of what you see is it, it makes the piece what it is. Um, so in, in that sense, you're part of the artistry.
2: It's almost like your own version of like a Rorschach test. Not that you're intending it that way, but it is sort of like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't sit there and be like, oh, he thinks that they're pulling away. That's interesting. And then like, (laughs) no, (laughs) no, it's, but I think it's a good conversation. You know, I, I I did a piece where, um, you know, um, people, people thought that the hands were more, um, you know, they were together and folded, but uh, people thought it was praying and then other people thought it it wasn't praying. It was, uh, it was two different hands kind of meeting together. So it's just like people assign their own experiences and values to the art you know when they see it, um, and I think that's important that's a good thing
1: now um I know you have a a, a gallery where you have uh, people can come and see your stuff at right
0: yeah, so uh where I'm sitting right now is a place in Huntington village called industry it's
1: Huntington long Island
0: yes, um it is three four four New York avenue right in the heart of Huntington village um It uh, started as a gallery and an antique shop, and it has since become really just, I think, a mecca for creativity. Uh, It's a home to over 35 artists who are members here. We have a membership. So a lot of the art on the wall are from local artists, uh, and we represent those artists. Anything they sell here, every dollar they make goes directly to them. We don't profit off of artists. There's a a deep philosophy here about um, supporting the artists, but also supporting them in their creative capital. Um, There are galleries that will... Take 50%. There are galleries that will charge you an arm and a leg to have your pieces there. That's not what we're about. We think every artist deserves to be represented and deserves a platform. Uh, and that's what we do here. So um, in addition to the art, we have antiques that span decades, mostly mid-century modern 50s, 60s, 70s vibe. Um, and we're also a nighttime lounge. So we have beer and wine. Uh, we have live music. Um, so at, people come in, they kind of don't know what the place is. It looks like an antique shop then it looks like a gallery then there's a bar and there's there's alcohol and then there's a stage with stage lights and they're trying to figure it all out and they're always like you know dom dom's a member here i'm sure you yep. can attest to it they're like they're like what is this place and after <laughs> a long time trying to explain it is i just asked them I'm like well what do you think it is uh oh it's this it's a gallery and there's it's like yeah it's that it's that it's that and it's that and it's that it really is whatever you want to make of it we've had um one of, your, one of the commercials was Cakes by Christy. She did a pop-up event here. I brought her in. She was selling her goods out of here one night. Um, we've had pop-up boutiques in the back where people come and sell merchandise that they've created. Uh, the big thing for us is it's uh, small local businesses, artists that get to come in here and use the space, um, you know, who can maybe not otherwise afford, you know, renting out a store and having their own storefront. They get to treat this as their kind of um, their sanctuary and their store, their home, their creative space. So it really meets a lot of different needs. And um, it truly is, I think, an inspiring place to be.
1: So it sounds like realistically like a mini New York. It has a little bit of everything.
0: It sure does. I mean, and in terms of, you know, representation and diversity, I think the artists themselves are unique. You know, there are, I've had artists come in here and um, they, they, they do interesting things. Um, Louis Schaefer is an artist here. and um, Shadow Rabbit Art. Shadow Rabbit yeah. Art, he's an artist here and you know i think these are what i love about this place is there's no um there's no judgment on you know from a gallery perspective like well we have a client base and our clients like this so you need to do it this way um i i don't care about clients and client bases we have people that come here and love the space and love the art and they will buy art um what i do care about is that the artist um gets their credit they deserve uh and they maintain their creative capital so you know, you're not coming in here and buying a piece from industry. You're buying a piece from Thomas Verano. You're buying a piece from Ruby Schaefer. Um, and we make sure that the, everyone knows uh, what, what they're seeing. The artists are represented here in that way. Um, so I'd like to think it's a very safe space for artists where um, you don't need to pay $1,000 to have a gallery show. Any member here gets to have four exhibits a year, and it's really at no cost. Um, and they get to have an exhibit in the back. They get to invite their friends and family. It's a white wall gallery. Just like out of Soho, no different. <laughs> their, their white walls are no different than our white walls, and um, you know you get to you get to have that moment and that experience, uh, and you
1: deserve it. All right, now, the most important question for this gallery is there food.
0: There is food, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> honestly, I'm cooking it most of the time. So so I I've <laughs> taken I have three kids who, who I cook for, and I've taken my <laughs> I've learned a lot about uh, about food cooking for them. Uh, And we do have food. We have uh, craft hot dogs, which are legit craft hot dogs, Chicago-style dogs, you know, German-style hot dogs, um, New York City-style hot dogs. We have paninis. Uh, We have a press here. We make really good sandwiches. So we do have food, and we often bring in locals as pop-up chefs. Um, We have a couple of local bakers who have the desserts here. Because for me, it's about using the space, which we are privileged to have for other people. Um, especially local businesses and local creatives to use the space and, and um, you know, uh, use it as a platform. So uh, there's constantly something different going on here. We have, um, you know, everything from uh, groups who meet here, like mental health groups. We have an art therapy group that meets here. Um, there's this amazing Potter. I don't know if you heard of him. His name is Dominic. <laughs> He's come in here and done classes. Um, we have a death cafe, which is really cool. I never learned about this before but it's, pretty, pretty, it's a group that talks about loss in a safe space. Um, and there's so much going on here in terms of uh, the community using it that it that it really does meet many needs uh, and exist as many things depending on what you want it to exist for.
2: Wow. Um, I want to so, know who came uh, up with the Chicago dog.
0: Whose <laughs> idea was it to have a Chicago dog? You? Me, because I will tell you now, I'm a hot dog fanatic, and Chicago has nailed the hot dog. That The Chicago dog, which has... Sweet pickle relish, tomatoes, onions, uh, and a pickle spear on a poppy seed bun. It is mm-hmm. the best hot dog you will ever
3: eat. i have had it.
2: a Chicago dog, and I have to agree. It's a fantastic hot dog and, that they do in Chicago.
1: Yeah.
2: Pizza, it's a casserole, but the hot dog. <laughs> they can't get
0: everything. It's right.
2: delicious casserole. <laughs> it's delicious, but the hot dog is
1: truly elevated in Chicago.
0: Yeah, it is, I agree.
1: So is there a fee to, to, to attend any of these events?
0: Um, no. So, so some of the groups will have their own fee. It's mostly donation kind of style. Um, you know, if you're doing a class like someone's coming in, like Dom will come in and do a pottery class. He's providing equipment space materials, or if we have, we'll have a draw uh, sip and sketch night or something. Uh, we'll have a fee for that that goes towards the model. Everything has a purpose. Um, Dom can tell you, we, I make no, no money here. <laughs> no one makes money here, really. Nope. We're not walking around with fat pockets. <laughs> Every, everything we collect has a purpose, whether it's to support the artist collective, whether it's to support the maintenance of our gallery, to pay models, to support the local creatives who are creating things in here. Uh, everything is kind of redirected and put right back into um, the community. So
1: it's not like an entrance fee. It's just a, a participation fee, if you so desire for whatever uh, particular event that you're hosting.
0: Correct. And the artists who are here pay a monthly um, membership fee um, to have the space here, to have the shows in the back. There's membership discounts for them on certain events, um, and they have access. They're featured on our website, where we also have a brand new website you can check out, uh, www.industrymakers.art, where we have now launched a store to help sell art through our website. Um, We created this website uh, all on our own. And it costs our artists nothing, but we feel it's the best thing to do to represent our artists, especially during these times. Um, so, doing everything we can to support artists is really what we're about.
1: And since you segue nicely into websites, social media time. Uh, where can people find out more about yourself? Uh, social, uh, what was it? Uh, social, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all that fun stuff.
0: Yeah. So, me myself, uh, I'm. Um, I have a website, uh, MikeBurnsThings.com. But on Instagram, it's uh, I'm at Mike's Mike Burns things pretty easy to remember. Uh, and then industry is um, uh, industry makers on all social media at industry makers. And the website is industrymakers.art. Um, and like I said, if this is if you're an artist and you really are interested in just learning about the space, please come in and talk to me. Um, it's a place where artists have come in with a lot of questions around, I think, where they want to go, what they want to do. And just from coming here, um, giving them a space to talk and, and reflect and think, we've created websites with them. We've created Etsy pages with them. We've had their works featured here. We've done exhibits with them. Uh, so I think it's a good thing for artists to know about this space.
1: All right, cool. So let's see. Um, we have less than five minutes to go. So, Don, if you have one small question you can sneak in there before we get to our final thoughts?
2: Favorite superhero to burn onto a piece of wood? Ooh. Um, I had, a, I had a guy who, who
0: bought a lot for me, and he loved bombshell style pinup pin-up-style um, characters, so I, I loved doing Wonder Woman. Um, Spider-Man's my favorite, and that is for a buddy of mine when he finally gets his man cave. That's going <laughs> in. it. But um, I would say I, I think Wonder Woman and Rogue. Rogue is probably one of my favorite ones to do. Um, and we really do. We deserve a, a, a better Rogue story than we've received. So I'm hoping Captain Marvel too. quick plug, has Rogue in it, and tell the true story of Rogue, not that X-Men garbage we
3: saw.
1: Wow, all right. So we're now at our final thoughts. So um, let's see. Dominic, since I threw it to you last time, Dominic, you have a final thought for us? Uh, go check out Industry.
2: Uh, as Micah said, I'm a member there. It's a great place. I got some pottery for sale down there, but you can see some amazing art. Um, I wish Charlie was here, because they have amazing bands that come in and play all the time. It's really a great space to go to
1: uh mike final thought
2: um yeah just just to any creatives
0: out there whether it's music art whatever it is um just um know that there are places in communities that value you and want to support you and are not looking to take advantage of you um if that sounds interesting you please come down to industry or hit me up um we're here for you that's it
1: Hi, uh, my final thought is this. Uh, Mike, I've known you for about, uh, two years. Well, last year doesn't count. So we'll say, uh, three years and a little, a little bit, (laughs) give or take three years. Um, I really love your stuff. You're, you're very eye popping, eye catching. And on top of that, you're a really cool guy and all this extra stuff that you're doing to help the, uh, the art community is greatly appreciated. So on top of being a nice guy, on top of being a great artist, I really like what you're doing with your, uh, your gallery. Um, so let's see. So that we got to about- get you to
2: leave and come to Huntington and check it out sometime,
1: Mark. Well, when when the world starts, that's where I'm going to go. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm, that's fair. I'm, that's why I asked about the food. You know, I'm yeah. interested if I if I ask about the food. That's true. In the food there is food.
0: <laughs> yeah, there is food. <laughs> so I'll uh, offer, offer as an extension to you if you ever wanted to come here and do a show. I told Don we'd be happy to have you. Um,
1: well, that's
0: so another reason for you to come.
1: That's what I'm talking about. See, yep. hurry, hurry up, hurry up, world. Let's start back up. <laughs> Um, so that about does it for this week on a Came From the Radio. Uh, join us right here any week on this radio station. Um, our next live show, courtesy of the East Metal Public Library, that's www.eastmetal.info, will be on April 14th, and we're going to have comic writer slash artist Daphne Lage. Um, check us out on such places as goodtalkradio.com, indievolt.com, uh, the, the b- 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 btdradio.com, sci-fi.radio. Um... We have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube page, and check out Dominic's uh, Fitchy Sarcasm, right? What's, uh, what's, yep. uh, what's, your, what's your website for that?
2: fishysarcasm.com where you can I do three web comics a week, um,
1: and you can check them all out there. All right, so that's it. So we will see you uh, next week. And once again, thank you to the East Metal Public Library. Have a good one.